Super Talk Mississippi media production. Our second LSU week tradition, as always, we welcome into the people segment Peter Burns from the SEC Network. Of course, he's also, you know, he keeps us on the down low. Not really. He is an LSU guy himself, so I know. I can't wait to get your thoughts on this <laughs> LSU team, but we're going to start with Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead has become this this sort of devices figure down here in Starkville. And, you know, obviously the performance on the field the past few few weeks has not been what you would expect. Just going back to when he was hired, I, I think you were one of the people, as was I, as was everybody else, saying, hey, this was a, a perfect fit for what they want to do down there. Are you, are you surprised that Joe Moorhead has not been more successful from the jump here in Starkville? No, not not necessarily. I mean, again, we don't like to see it. I mean, just as you know, I, I got something near and dear in my heart to to, to Starkville and Mississippi State. I've always kind of kind of been back them, even though I'm an LSU guy myself. Um, but I mean, again, I think when you lose that much talent, any team is going to struggle, right? I mean, unless you're Alabama and you just put five stars out on top of five stars, you lose. Uh, a ton of talent. You're going to have some issues, especially on the defensive front. But I, I think what I've been puzzled with is the fact of, you know, last year the, the offense sputtered a little bit and it felt like he kind of made fits, you know, tried to make him into Trace McSorley, but just tried to do different things with him and it just really didn't work. And then, of course, this year he brings Tommy Stevens in and, and I felt like that was a little bit of a, you know, a comfort level for, for Joe. But the more we see it, the more it feels like Garrett Schrader is the guy. So it's 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 a tough spot. And I'll tell you this, guys, and I don't know how you feel, but from the outside looking in, I've seen coaches that flat out just don't get it and don't care and take over programs. And you're like, eh, all right, it's about time. It, it, you know, I already know this is not going to work out. I, I I get the point that it like eats at Joe Moorhead at night that that he can't deliver what he wants to do down there in Starkville. So. Um, again, that doesn't make anybody feel better about the losses, but I, 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 it's not like a situation where it's lost and out of control, you know? Well, lately in the past couple of weeks, there's been some rumors about Jay Moorhead and a possible connection with Rutgers opening. What do you make of it? No, I mean, listen, he knows. I mean, he knows that this is where he wants to be. I mean, I, I don't know inside knowledge on that, but and I don't think Joe would be that quick to say, hey, you know what, this isn't for me. You know, if I felt like that was the case, you know, I, I felt like from day one that he got there, he wanted to ingrain himself into this program, into the world down there, into the people, and and I I would be extremely disappointed if all of a sudden, hey, he was he was no longer the coach down there at Starkville, you know, and not giving it a full go. So, um, you know, I I I would be shocked if if that's uh, if he decides to pull up and 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 go elsewhere this soon. Long term, do you think that Moorhead can build upon what Dan Mullen left? I mean, here's the deal. It's tough, right? I mean, I think that's part of the issue that Joe, you know, it's it, it's tough because now, you know, you, you, it's like you used to date the homecoming queen and now she's out being Miss America over there with how good Mullen's looking at Florida. And you're like, man, you know what? That used to be my girl. And, you know, now, now things are a little bit different. And so, I mean, that's a tough situation uh, to have to replace Dan, who, who really put Mississippi State football on the map. And, um and so, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a tough spot for him right now. Uh, but long term, he has to find a way. There has to be an identity for this team, right? Like the identity for Dan was that hey, they were going to have a mobile quarterback, and that they were going to have two three star kids, and they were going to play like four or five star kids. And Moorhead has to find out what his own, 
you know, you know, own type of footprints and own type of fingerprints on this program. And frankly, I don't know what that is quite yet. And I don't think he quite knows it, guys. I mean, I don't know. He knows what this team needs to be um, going forward. I mean, listen, if you guys are the big state fans here, and if I told you what what do you want the ID? What do you want the mantra of this team to be? And what is Joe Moorhead football known for? What do you want it to be with State and him? I think I'll go ahead. Go I, mean, ahead Brian. I think if you're going to ask the average MSU fan that the, the identity they had under Mullen was they were a very physical team, both sides of the ball. You know, when you played Mississippi sure. State, they didn't back down from anybody. Now, they, they, they were there were games they got run off the field because of the talent differential, but you never felt like they, there was any quit in them. And, and right now, when you watch this team, and you know I cover them, so I've been to every game. They just look soft sometimes. They, they, they don't they don't look like they have that same fire that they used to have. That they weren't going to back down from anybody. They were just going to you know run the football and play tough nosed defense. I don't get that anymore. Now I knew defensively well, they were going to take a step back, but. They've just been so weak defensively, and then offensively, it's it's just not the same. It just isn't. That, that's no. It, go ahead, Peter. Go 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 ahead. Yep. I said that's my biggest thing is we offensively. Anytime we play a defense with a pulse, we're just not scoring. I mean, you can't. Mm-hmm. You have no chance when we play a team that's halfway yeah. has a def- defensive identity. And that's and, and that's something that you know when you hire a he coach was like Moorhead. Yeah, right. He yeah. was hired as this offensive guru. And offensively, mm-hmm. it's just it's just not working for Mississippi State yet. Yeah, I mean, so the question is: is it does it not work with this personnel, or did it work in the Big Ten? But when you start playing teams in the in the SEC, it's a little bit of a different fit. Um, I, I, I will tell you this: I think it's really difficult because I see that's going on in Tennessee right now. Uh, I've seen it with Chad Morris. I've seen it with teams that have taken over, you know, for new coaches or, or, or new coaches taking over for teams. Is that a lot of times it's hard. You know, it, it, it takes something, and that's a credit to what Dan's doing at, at, at Florida right now, but it, it takes a hell of a, a coach to say, hey, I need you to come play hard for me right now. I know I didn't recruit you. I know you didn't sign to play football with me, but I'm the guy for you now. It's hard to motivate those kids. I mean, hell, look at what Jimbo Fisher's having to deal with at College Station right now. I mean, he's uh, playing a lot of young guys, and a lot of those guys, you know, that maybe did commit um, uh, to Kevin Sumlin back in the day, but they wanted to stay with the Aggies, and even that team is struggling. So, again, I, I, I go back and look at what happened with Barry Odom a couple, what, I think it was a year and a half ago. He was one in five, and everyone's ready to write him off. Oh, he's got a million-dollar buyout. He's done. Who's the next coach? And Barry Odom took to a post-game press conference, and he just let it fly, man. He said it was unacceptable. It was on his ass, and that he was going to fix it. And I think now, he might have the second or third best record since starting that one and five, you know, two years ago um, with with Missouri football. So the question is, you know, I know Moorhead wants it, but how is he going to get those guys, you know, uh, playing physical and show that guru type thing that he was doing over at Penn State? And frankly, the answers haven't been easy, and I don't think it gets easier with LSU coming into town this weekend. And here's the biggest problem I think Morehead had is he walked into a situation at Mississippi State for the first time in the history of Mississippi State football. A first-year head coach had unbelievable expectations. Talent, yeah, I mean, and, and so, you know, so last a ton year, of NFL talent, right? People are walk, people go into last year. I mean, fans are expecting nine, ten wins, and right. you were like, I mean, we could this could be the year. And now we bring in this mm-hmm. offensive guru who's going to take our offense to the next level where we can compete possibly with the Alabamas, with the LSUs. 
and mm-hmm. we should we should keep the same level of beating the teams we should. And his offense has just not clicked. And we actually, you could see the trajectory of the program starting to go down last year because anytime we played a defense with the pulse, the offense right. struggled. And you just, you were hoping this year with him bringing in his quarterback another year that the offense would be stronger, and it just has not happened. Yeah, I mean, and, and what it sucks is it sucks for guys like Kylan Hill, who are incredibly talented or as good as anyone, but then all of a sudden if you don't fear the passing game, everyone's going to put eight in the box, and then you're going to see what happens like with Tennessee last week, which is that they don't really, they don't really respect um, you know Schrader or, or Stevens at 100% um, to be a, 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 a huge passer so they can stuff the box, and poor Kylan doesn't get an opportunity. And then that, that, that's even tougher because the next time that Joe's trying to recruit some kid, the kid saw 2010 Tennessee, you know, or, you know, he saw a game. I mean, it's a whole lot easier right now for Ed Ogeron to get these star recruits, especially offensively, because they're playing so well on offense. It's tough when when there's a struggle right now. But, again, I, I still think it's way too early because I, I, I think a lot of people wrote off guys like Barry Odom and other teams and gave them an opportunity. But you got to have some wins, right? And, and, I mean, I don't know. Or even if you don't have a win like this weekend – you damn sure need to show that you're tough and this team's not necessarily quitting on you and they're all in on it. I'll say one last thing, then we'll move on to, to this weekend's game. But I don't know if you knew this or not, but Moorhead actually had the local media come in for a, a clinic this summer where he sat mm. down with us and we talked about his offense in great detail. Yeah. So we talked for an hour, hour and 15 minutes about two plays. And he's, he's going through everything, and he's putting it on on film, and I'm looking at it, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, and, and I didn't play in a, I didn't play college football, and I didn't really play, I mean, high school football, I played a really really simple offense, so I understood that I wasn't going to understand everything, but I was overwhelmed by how much information mm. there's just on a running play, and all I could think right. was, this is this a quarterback has maybe two seconds with. Four five-star defensive linemen bearing down on him to make all these mm-hmm. decisions, and all I could think was, it takes it must take a very special quarterback. And I think Trace McSorley was that, and obviously Saquon Barkley having having a player like that helps you. So what you said about Big Ten to SEC might be something that that bears watching, which is why the Rutgers thing. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. maybe that's. Maybe that, that that offense is there are just some offenses that are better suited to different places in the world. I think like yeah, and and and, and the personnel though, guys too. And, yeah. You know, it, it, it's like Chad Morris has been having a hard time as hell because he's trying to get rid of Brett Bielema's guys because they run a completely different type of personnel grouping. Um, and again, I, I go back to look at Garrett Schrader, which listen, I don't I don't necessarily know if Garrett's going to you know win a Nobel um, you know prize for science or anytime soon. You know, I don't I'm not saying he's a Mensa kid or anything like that and if this is a tough offense to grasp that's why I think that he wanted Tommy Stevens to be there because hey Tommy had least seen this he's been you know if it's a complicated offense he knows hey a little bit it's a safer route to go to and I think last year I think at some point he found you know a couple of three three or four weeks where he's like okay you know what I need to stop trying to make Fitzgerald somebody that he's not Let's simplify this. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Like, simplify it, have fun, play physical football, and good things will happen. I mean, more people are going to like Moorhead. They spent some time with him. It's hard not to, you know, come around liking the guy. He's very personable. But you got to make it simple for these guys to just get these athletes in space and make, make plays. Now, I think, I think his, his offense, to me, is a classic case 
of paralysis by analysis, but in a three-second time frame yeah, because of so many decisions you have to make. It, that when SEC Network last year did the SEC film study after the La Tech game, yeah. it was kind of the same thing that Brian, I think, what he offered the media this summer. But I was just completely shocked with – and like I said, I'm like Brian said, we're no, obviously no college football gurus as far as building offenses. But the number of decisions that the quarterback has to make off of an RPO mm-hmm. – in the, it, it was amazing to me. I was like, "This is just way too complicated." Versus uh, what Dan Mullen run, ran in the in the spread. I mean, the uh, Brian, help me with what Zone Reed. Is <laughs> Reed? Thank you. You're reading a defensive right. end, and that's all you're doing. And it, mm-hmm. it's, you have a designed run, and that's what we're doing. Or you're coming out and you're running a pass play, but you, you're well, running then, out of a zone read. And the RPOs, you got four different options you can do on every play. But so so that's on Joe to to survive and adapt, right? I mean that that's any any coach, and I mean I think that's what Mullen has done pretty good uh, is looking at what he has roster wise and goes, okay, this is how we're going to attack people. And again, I think that's just that's on Moorhead to go. I'm no longer this coach, no longer this OC. I don't have this type player. If I want to change, I need to adapt as well. I mean, guys, look at LSU right now, the team. Yeah. I mean, let's spin this forward to this week, right? I mean, it's all about, you know, Steve Ensminger and, and Ed Osron. Hell, they were playing the same offense. Then all of a sudden they're like, this ain't working. You know, this is no different than less. We need to bring in a Joe Brady. We need to bring in somebody that's going to really kind of, you know, implement the changes that we want and complement the offense. So it's all – you know, it's almost a situation where Joe probably this off season needs to take a look and go, all right, where's the next Joe Brady coming from? Who's the next person that I can and match what I like to do and what's going on in college football right now? And how will, how do we mesh these together and so it fits what Garrett Schrader, the future of this program, can do? And I, I think that'd be the first thing I would do is go back and look at anybody and say, this is what Garrett Schrader does. These are his pros. These are his cons. How how can you work with this kid and and get some help going into the the, the, the you know his sophomore year? You segued into that very nicely. It's almost like you have experience with broadcasting. I, I don't know. Ah, but, you know, I fake it. I fake it. <laughs> but with, with Orgeron in this offense, I think you were probably just like me in the off season. When you hear LSU is going to spread around, okay, sure, sure, we'll see what happens. But then they do it. What what was the light bulb moment for Ed Orgeron? When did he realize? Because, you know, I go back to his opening press conference, and he said, hey, I believe we've got to spread the ball around. And then in his first couple of years, they really didn't do that. What made this offseason, what, what made the light bulb come on for him? Well, I mean, the light bulb came on whenever he was going to get hired. I mean, the hiring deal was that he was probably he was more than likely going to bring in Lane Kiffin yeah. as his offensive coordinator, and I think that was the game plan. I mean, that's what people. It's kind of crazy is that this is this is Ogeron wanted to do this from the jump when he first took over. The kind of it felt like it was going to be a package deal that it was going to be Ogeron and Lane Kiffin. And Kiffin was going to leave Alabama. The problem is that Kiffin wanted to take a head coaching gig, and so he took the FAU job, and that set back LSU. So then they ended up going with um, Matt Canada, which was like oil and water. Then last year they're like, all right, well, let's get Canada out. Let's just have Steve Inzbinger come back here and do normal things. And Inzbinger was okay but not great. And so it took this year to say, all right, you know, can we all work together? And I saw it work beautifully about Joe Brady. He said, why the hell are y'all running this? Let's do this. You know, I mean, Brady came in and, and worked with Ogeron and gave him a clinic one day with the Saints. And, and basically they turned around and go, uh, can you come work for us? 
you know, and it's made all the difference in the world. And by the way, now Joe Brady's going to probably make about a million dollars next year, so uh, he'll be well compensated for what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it wasn't that O didn't want to change. He always wanted to change. It's just when Lane Kevin decided to go to FAU, I think that just kind of changed the, you know, uh, the, how the formula of how this thing finally came out, or time schedule, I should say. Do you think that uh, this year's LSU team is a national championship team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's, you know, obviously we'll know probably November the ninth um, when they face Alabama, but I, I think they're as talented as anybody, and I think they have this attitude. I go back and look at the teams that won it all in '03 and '07, and they all had a distinct attitude. You know, even though LSU's had some good teams in the past, they never really had kind of this this moxie about them. That 03 team did. The 07 team sure as hell did. And, I, you know, I feel like actually the talent on 2011 LSU team was better than this team. But the attitude starting with Ogeron and Joe Brady and, and Joe Burrow, of course, as the quarterback, I think there's just a certain deal to it that's, that's nuts right now, man. And LSU fans are... Uh, it, it's just weird. Every single morning they wake up and they kind of pinch themselves going, did that just really happen? Do we still, do we have a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback? What the hell is this? Like, that's nuts for us. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to ask you about that. Are you a Heisman voter? I don't know if you are or not. I am not. No, they should not, and I don't want one. You know, is, well, if you had one, of, I would, if they yeah. made the mistake of giving you one, is Burrow number one on your ballot right now? Uh, no, Tua would still be. Okay. Um, I'd, st- I'd still have Tua in there. Just the numbers are out of control with yeah. Tua. And, and I think there's so much love for, for, for Burrow right now, and rightfully so, because, A, some of the, the wins have been better, but also because we've, you know, it's been the Saharian desert for the longest time of LSU football, and finally, a quarterback looks good. So I think there's a little extra love, but you, still, you look at the numbers Tua's putting up, it's just, it's just crazy right now. So, um, but again, I, it's so early because Jalen Hurts still putting up decent numbers. Justin Fields has been a monster and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I think it's a, a five way Heisman ballot right now. Um, but I, I think it's one, two, Joe Burrow and, and Tua Tagovailoa, which sets up that huge game in Tuscaloosa here in a couple of weeks. Well, I wouldn't describe Saturday as a huge game, but it, it is an interesting one just from terms of this. But the message I've sort of given on the podcast and on the radio show this week is Georgia-South Carolina proves that it's never 0%. There's always a, a chance that something could happen. Sure. So to maximize State's chance, what would you have Mississippi State do? If you could only tell them to do one thing, do this to, to maximize your chance at winning, what would it be? I, I mean, honestly, as stupid as this sounds, is stop the run. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that sounds dumb because LSU is just passing it on with with everyone right now. But I can't tell you, and, and I, talk, I talked to some people close to the LSU program, they didn't know, you know, they were worried about Florida to a certain extent because they knew that was a, a, a pretty solid team. But it wasn't until they started running the ball with a lot of success that they, they knew they were unstoppable in the second half. Once Clyde Edwards-Hilaire started breaking some runs, they're like, it's over. It's a, it's a done deal. And that's when, if you notice in the second half, Dave Aranda started bringing the blitz because they knew offensively they weren't going to be stopped, that Florida didn't have a way to stop the run, and worst-case scenario, breaking case of emergency, they could run the rock on them. So, you know, to me, you got to make them one, one-dimensional. And if you're going to make them one-dimensional, oddly enough, you got to just stop the run and say, hey, if Burrow beats you, dude, they're just a better team. 
You know, I, I just, you can't beat yourself. And I think that's, in a weird way, the one thing that Mississippi State needs to do this week is, is to be able to stop the run. It's funny you say that because I interviewed one of the LSU beat writers, Brooks Cabina from The Advocate, and he said the exact same thing. So, <laughs> Hey, and Brooks follows it even closer than I do. Yeah. So, hey, man, we, I, 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 next time I'm going to steal all of Brooks' stuff. Make there sure I, uh, it, it works out good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Peter, as always, man, we appreciate your time on, on this time of year. We're not going to bring anything else up. We're not going to make you have any, you know, sour where, thoughts. Where, where is that? Where is that sob at? Where is that sob? <laughs> He's tucked away in Houston, Texas. Let's just leave him there. Well, I was making sure. All right, All right. I don't want him any. You know that if he comes on this podcast, I told you I'll never do it again. So, well, yeah, he wanted. He said, "Hey, can I be on with Peter?" And I, what I, I explained to him, and I very gently told him. Absolutely not under any circumstances. So I'll hang up this phone right now. I know. So no, he's, <laughs> he's not coming. You don't have to worry about that. Peter Burns from the SEC Network, man. I, I love having you on. We'll talk to you again very soon, hopefully. Hey, boys. Uh, again, I, there's something near and dear to my heart down the Starkville. So, uh, you know, from Mangum to what Vic Schaefer has built to 612 to, you know, Restaurant Tyler, everything, man. Y'all are, y'all are the best. I want to get out there to the left field lounge and, uh, and hey, hopefully we got a good game coming up on Saturday. We'll see what happens. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Later, boys. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.